Oh, are you in for a treat today? I am so excited to bring to the program the undeniable intelligence, the keen observation, and the intense brilliance of the none other than Mr. Chris Vaughn. Chris. Hey. I am so excited to have you with us today on the program. Thank you for joining us. Very happy to be here. You know, Chris, you and I, how long has it been? We've known each other for a long time. Is it almost maybe five, five, six years now? It's six been years, a while. I'd say, well, yeah. It's been a long time. So you and I met in a, in a particular program where we shared a lot of information with each other and got mm-hmm. to know each other really well. And, and, you know, over that time frame, you've done a lot of crazy, interesting things, and I have too. And mm-hmm. what I really appreciated is staying in touch with you over um, all this time. So it's been, you know, knowing you is, has been really fantastic. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Thank you for so, and now, you know, I've watched your, you've traveled all over the world and with your work, you travel all over the world mm-hmm. and you have this uh, amazing company um, called Sequence Consulting and you are really um, on the cutting edge of marketing and customer relationships and very strategic data-driven um, inf- using data differ- different information and um, strategies. Can you tell us a little bit um, more about your company and what you do? Yeah, so Sequence Consulting, uh, I founded with uh, my wife, Lisa, uh, almost 20 years ago. Wow. Um, and uh, what we do is uh, we call it marketing transformation. Right? So we work with uh, companies, usually large organizations, that want to reinvent themselves uh, in, in the face of the world in some way, right? different customers, communicate in different ways, do business in different ways, different products and services. Uh, and those transformations can be really difficult, especially for large organizations. And we've, uh, over the past 20 years, uh, honed our skills and experience to uh, help guide organizations through that. And it's a, you know, we think it's a fairly rare capability. Um, and uh, you know, I think not a lot of people are, are really interested in that level of transformation, and, and we really are. So it leads us into all kinds of very cool opportunities uh, to launch new things and to help clients reinvent themselves uh, in really, really exciting ways. Well, what is typically the driving force between an organization that wants to reinvent themselves and, and transform themselves in that way? It's, it's uh, uh, conveniently enough, it's the leadership. Right? There, there, are really? people who, there are people who want to take small bites at things, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? They want to uh, do, you know, they want to make the change, but with as least change as possible, right? They want to take the most conservative path. There are other leaders that have a vision and they're driven by it, right? And it involves taking big swings. Uh, and if there's a leader that's willing to take the big swing, that wants to take the big swing, um, that's the ideal client for us. You know? Um, you know, not only willing to take the chances, but to invest the resources that brings the vision to it. Um, it really has to come from the top. Sometimes it's driven by market forces, right? The market's changed sure. around them, or people are buying in different ways, or you know, the internet was a big catalyst for a source of huge changes. But I would say that the people who were really able to transform uh, their marketing were still few and far between. So it's not enough to have a changing environment. You have to have a leader who's committed. So you know, large-scale change. Um, you know, I come from large companies and, and have experienced large-scale changes. You, you know, drive that large-scale change as well. What is one of the things that you have found within these organizations that is the, 
the greatest barrier to um, accelerating or um, driving that change? You know, there's, there's not just one, but the one we come across all the time and we spend a lot of time working on is perspective. Mm. Um, we have a saying, you can't read the label while you're sitting in the jar. A lot of organizations are uh, internally focused. Some of them by design, we found over the years, some of them are actually designed to be internally focused and to not uh, look long and often at the world outside of them. And lack of perspective makes change seem even more impossible and even more scary than it otherwise would. Um, if the only way you've ever done things is the way you're doing them and you think that's the only way it can be done, making a leap is uh, really asking someone too much. Um, the ability to look outside and say, wait a minute, other people are doing this in a different way. Other people have taken this step. Other people took this step 10 years ago. We can do it too. That external perspective we find is incredibly freeing uh, and often incredibly, incredibly inspiring for people. So a lot of the work that we do is bringing external perspective to these organizations. Sometimes from our own experience, we do a lot of custom research. Uh, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one research uh, sure. with, with uh, other companies. Uh, and we bring those insights, that external perspective back to the client and we frame it up in a way that um, it reframes the problem into something that feels solvable, right? Instead of, uh, let's throw up our hands, we'll never be able to do this. It's like, well, yeah. you know, maybe we're a two on a scale of, uh, of one to five, but if we were a three, that would be awesome. And right. we can do that, right? I think it's just, you know, making the, the scale of change seem possible for people uh, yeah. unlocks an awful lot of possibilities for people. It's, it's honestly, it's the most powerful thing we do for a lot of our clients is to uh, basically turn the camera outwards uh, and look at the world around them. You know, I think that's a really good point you made also in addition to looking outwards, but I think it's going from a two to a three can have incredible impact on an organization's success instead of going from trying, you know, if, if your only focus success is two to five, um, oftentimes mm -hmm. you can drive failure that way. But as you said, a two to a three or a two to a four, each one of those are incremental successes that have waves of influence within the organization. And, and it's the, uh, it activates the law of small things, right? If you always compare yourself to an Amazon or a Facebook, and everyone does, right? If you talk about e-commerce, everyone says we want to be like Amazon. You don't, right? You know, right. You know, maybe you want to, but you don't have to, right? To be yes. the success that you want to be, you just have to be better in certain ways. And a lot of the work that we do is around building those scorecards for people, right? What is the maturity model for your industry from we're terrible, we've never done this before to we're masters of the universe. Where are you on that continuum? And what exactly do you have to do to move up to the next level? And the light bulbs go off and they say, well, there may be a hundred small things that we can do, sure. but they're small things and they're doable, right? We don't have to necessarily swing for the fences. Sometimes there's a big swing involved, but a lot of times it's just the clarity around all the little things that could be done that could move you from one level uh, to, to the next. You know, as I'm listening to you, um, you know, I'm, I'm a small business owner and I know a lot of small business owners. What you're saying is so applicable to any entrepreneur, small business owner as well. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you find that to be easily translatable to um, entrepreneurs? Absolutely, you know, and, and we, we've lived it, right? We're a small uh, company. We've been doing this for, for 20 years. We've always been a small company, and it's very easy to compare yourself to, why don't we have a 1,000 employees, right? And, you know, why are we making a billion dollars a year? And, you know, but that's not the comparison, right? The comparison for us is, are we better than we were last year, right? Have we learned from where we were? Are, are, are we 
fulfilling more of the vision that we had for ourselves? And if so, we're winning. Sure. Um, and some of that's about growing, and some of that's about building revenue, and some of that's about building client base, and an awful lot of it isn't. Um, you know, for us, it's about, yeah. are we serving the kind of clients that we want to serve? Are we doing the kind of work that we want to do? Um, are we actually making things change? That's the real metric for us is, are things changing at the client because we were there? That's the measurement for success. And for us, it is always a combination of, you know, doing small things a little bit better um, every year, you know, yeah. being an entrepreneur, stepping off the edge, that's the big swing, right? That yeah. you did it at all. Um, I, I've had someone tell me over and over again, you're already a success, right? If you did yeah. that, yeah. you're already a success and you've done something that 90, 90% of the world will never do. Yeah. You know, what you make of that is, is really up to you, but it's, it's, um, you know, there's no, there's no fastball you can hit, right. That's going to knock it out of exactly. the park, at least, at least in my experience. And I also find too, a lot of entrepreneurs think it's a cliff when it's really just a curb. And if you treat it as yeah. a curb, yeah. life would be a lot easier. Yeah. I like that. I like that analogy an awful lot. You know, yeah. we, we were, um, our story is we were kind of kicked off the curve. We were, uh, we, my wife and I met at a large consulting company uh, where we both worked back in the 1990s. Um, and in uh, the year 2000, the, the company uh, ran into trouble with the whole dot-com bubble uh, and, went and went bankrupt very, very suddenly. Like in a, in a couple, a period of months, there was simply no more money left and we were wow. both left without a job. Uh, I just moved to Chicago and uh, we had a baby on the way uh, and we were both unemployed and you know what do you do under that circumstance and we uh, wandered in the wilderness I like to say for about a year uh, and then kind of screwed up our courage and decided to launch our own consulting firm and that was that was 20 years ago um, but I, I don't know if we ever would have done it if someone if life hadn't kind of given us that shove um, <clears> off the edge sure. you know, where we you know had to overcome our fear because we felt like we had no choice. Um, it was a pretty big curb, but it wasn't a curb. Yeah. yeah, it's always a curb, right? It's always it's a curb. Always a, maybe it was a staircase. I think it was like a staircase. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I, I really consider you uh, an, an amazing thinker and, and a oh, brilliant you. thinker. I truly do. And there's a lot of really, we know the challenges are enormous today with everything mm -hmm. we're facing. What are some of the things that you um, are advising and counseling your clients on right now based mm -hmm. on the current situation? You know, the first thing that I tell them is never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> I love I that. <laughs> I can't remember who first said that. I think I heard it on the West Wing. Uh, but I can't think of anything more true uh, for this day and age. Uh, and I've seen clients do amazing things they never thought possible. Uh, had they not been in the midst of this crisis. It opens up opportunities you never would have seen before. It injects a level of urgency you could have never accomplished before. Um, you know, it, it uh, creates a sense of uh, unity and togetherness that you wouldn't have been able to get before that lets you get stuff done. I mean, just to give you an example, we have a company that we work with uh, whose whole business is about uh, in-person trainings uh, and events none of which were possible. And they had wanted to take their work online for years yeah. and had never been able to get it done. They got it done in two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks later, the entire program is available online and it's awesome and they're reaching more people than they ever reached before. Yeah. I mean, it's had they not been put in a situation of crisis, they would never, ever have been able to do that. And we're seeing that everywhere that we look. So yeah. part of our advice to them is, you know, em embrace the crisis and, and look for what's possible. The last thing you want to do now is batten down. Uh, and wait it out. 
before the call started, we were saying that, you know, some things will never be the, cha- uh, the same. That's absolutely true. You know, we will right. turn the corner and we will come out of this and it's going to look really, really different. You know, do you be, want to be part of the, uh, you want to be on the team that's creating the change or do you want to be on the team that's following it? And some of our clients are doing the one and some of them are doing the other, but I think there's real opportunity uh, sure. in the places. And I think it's going to open up lots of things for people who are uh, open to receiving. Absolutely. And, and I, one of the things that I always say is whatever, whatever crisis you looked at, whether it's the, the 2008 fallout or, you know, mm-hmm. during the tragedy of 9-11 or in your case in the 90s when people mm-hmm. were impacted negatively, those people that keep moving and trying and progressing always seems to be the ones that come out on the end much better when things start kicking off and they're ready to push the gas pedal down and and go quickly as opposed to those who are sitting back and continuously thinking about it yes you know i've a friend told me a long time ago that there are leaders for good times and that there's leaders for bad times Uh, and they're not necessarily always the same people Um, and i think you know a good leader in a bad time is uh you know certainly you know, the one who can stand in front of the mast, right, and, and yeah. give everyone co- confidence, uh, yeah. project strength uh, and calm, but it's also the one who can steer the ship, right? Yeah. We still have to keep moving. It's not about standing still. Uh, it's not about hiding in our, in our cave. I mean, and we've had to make painful decisions, all of us, in the last few weeks about yeah. where we're going to go. But um, I think the sooner we can turn outward uh, and look at what is happening in the world and where the opportunities are. Not only the quicker will we recover, but I think the quicker we'll get to whatever's next yeah. um, for us. So that's part of the advice um, that we're giving our clients right now. Oh, good advice too. Absolutely great advice. So you know, you talked about leadership and good time leadership and bad time leadership. How do you mm-hmm. find leadership in general? Do you have a definition that you use? You know, the definition that, that, that I, I like to use is it's the ability to create uh, purposeful change. Right? I mean, the, you know, the measure of a leader is, uh, are they able to really change things uh, in the direction of their choosing, right? So it's sort of, um, there's a sense of power behind that, but there's also a sense of uh, direction around that is the definition of that, that I like to use. Uh, and, and I think that that, um, that combination is, is rare. And those are the kinds of clients that we like to work with, are the clients that, you know, have a direction, uh, and that they want to change in, right? And they are willing to lead the change and they need, um, you know, they need help drawing the roadmap, right? Sort of connecting the vision to action uh, and what are the steps that we need to take between here and there. You know, you talk about purpose and, and I'm, I'm kind of a, maybe an offsider where I'm, I'm not a big fan of mission and vision, but I'm a huge fan of purpose and intention. Yes, I and agree. Intention, I think, and it, it just seems like, um, employees can really draw, be drawn to a purpose and intention. So when you think about purpose of an organization and, and every, I believe every individual has a purpose in their life and every leader has a purpose. How do you, this is kind of an esoteric question, but how do you think those leaders with their purpose and individual purpose um, really come into alignment with an organizational purpose? Mm-hmm. I think they create it. I think they create the alignment. You know, the the best leaders that I've seen are uh, there's just a real authenticity about their their personal purpose. Yeah. Um, there's something magnetic about that. There's something you know inspiring about that. And, yeah. and 
and like a magnet, it sort of or organizes the iron filings around it, right? I mean, that's sort of the effect that, that leaders like that have. And it's pretty, it's pretty rare, uh, but I, I agree with you. I think, you know, mission, vision, those types of things always seem, feel painted on to me, right? Yeah. They always feel like they're from the outside in. Yeah. I think purpose and intention really comes from the inside out. And it's something that uh, if you have it, it radiates, right? You radiate from within and bring other people along. Uh, and I think some of that can be taught. I think some of the work that you and I did together was about, you know, learning how to uh, express more of that, right? Learning how to radiate more of that, learning how to live more of that in a way that brings other people Sure. Uh, and I, I know I felt the difference in uh, my life, and frankly, I've seen it in yours. Absolutely. There was no going back after that, was There's there? No going back after <laughs> that, no right? back. Yeah. yeah. So is that, is that part of what you bring to the leaders that you work with? Do you help them identify that purpose? Do you help them find that sense of purpose? I, you know, that's a great question. I think what's really valuable about what we do is we help them articulate that sense of purpose. Okay. Um, I think they come to it with a sense of, of wanting, right? There's something that they want to have happen. There's something they want to create. Um, and maybe they can see it in their mind, but they can't necessarily articulate it in a way that other people uh, can be brought into it. They can't necessarily connect the dots between where we are now and where we're going to go. How do we get from here to there? Um, and you have to have all those things in place to really bring people along, right? They have to get it. They have to believe it's possible, and they have to understand what has to happen between uh, now and then for them to get there, and then they'll follow. Um, and I think that's the service that we provide for our clients is you've got a, you've got not, not a vision, a purpose. You have a person, we love it. Let us help you sell it, right? Let us help you, you know, flesh it out and sell it through an organization. So what is one thing that you would recommend for any leader to do, whether they're of a large company or a small business or a solopreneur, what is one thing that they can do to work towards really articulating or identifying their purpose when they're struggling with that? Um, I think keep it simple, right? I think, uh, you know, big thinkers think big thoughts. Uh, the most powerful kind of purpose statements or purposes that we deal with are bite-sized, right? Can you boil it down to a mantra? When you boil it down to right, one thing, we're going to do X that people can get their heads around. Uh, and it's difficult for people to do that because no, 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 there's so much more to it than that. This is, yeah. Of course there is. Yeah. Um, but especially as a, as a small business, and we learned this lesson the hard way over the years of you know, really saying who we're for uh, and what we're for is difficult because you feel like you're leaving things out. And you yeah. don't want to say no to anything, right? You want to take on everything. And it's yeah. a paradox. Uh, I've had to learn again and again and again, which is the, the, the clearer you are, the more things happen for you, right? And the wider yeah. your net, the less things happen for you. Um, and I don't know if I can explain that metaphysically, but I, I know that it's true. Uh, but the, you know, the laser focus really makes a huge difference. And I don't, I don't think it matters how big the organization is. Yeah, I, well, I completely agree with that. And, and I struggle with that too, is, well, I can do everything. And right. but I think what I've learned is that to keep my message on point and then I can still do other things but my message still has to be on point it doesn't mean you won't draw in people from different areas um, but you do have to stay focused otherwise marketing is um, so challenging or yeah. you know your next product becomes so challenging your next service becomes so much challenging but as you said that 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 clarity or defining mm -hmm. just in such simple terms makes it so much easier to run a business in general it does. 
we used to get feedback from, uh, I used to get feedback from people, it's like, well, we just don't know what to do with you, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> we know you can do a lot of stuff, but we don't know what to do. What, what should we say yes to, you know? Right. Uh, which really helped us, you know, hone our, hone our message down. So, you know, when you have folks like yourself, you are all often sought out to be someone's mentor because people want to learn from you and grow and, and because, especially when you've had such, such success as you have had, have you had mentors of your own over your career? Yeah, I have. I've had, uh, I've been fortunate to have many uh, mentors over my career, I think, uh, all, all the way back to college and then uh, graduate school and, you know, my, my very first job in consulting, I was fortunate to have mentors that I really looked up to. And, and you, have you that, had any mentors as a, as a, so is there a running your own business? You know, early on, I, early on, I most definitely did. I most definitely did have people that I would reach out to, uh, you know, especially in, in dark times, right? When I was losing my nerve, yeah. right? you know, right? help yeah. talk me through it and help me understand that that was part of the process uh, as well. And, and at some point, maybe I got old <laughs> or something, right? And I ended up doing more mentoring than menteeing. Yeah. Um, but that, that's also, uh, it's also a joy. I mean, it's a real blessing to be able to, uh, to work with it, it is. And I'll tell you one thing that I have learned as I've continued to grow is I'm also very cautious about who I reach out to because mm -hmm. I find a lot of people don't think in as big terms as I do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes their advice and counsel is very narrow mm -hmm. um, because they just can't, they can't see the, the big purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think when you get to a certain point, as you said, you become more of a mentor than a mentee because mm -hmm. um, you're better to share um, your information because maybe you've just grown so much or done so much introspection. You know, when you do the kind of introspection that we've done, a lot mm -hmm. of people just can't understand that depth of introspection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think, and I think you get more selective, uh, yeah. right, about, you know, the the kind of advice you need. And, and at a certain point, it's really not just advice so much as uh, companionship, right? Just to share, yes. right? You want someone who can sort of be in it with you and understand what you're going through, especially at times like this, right? Where yeah. no one really knows what's going on or, or how to feel. I think just not to be, you know, alone in that is really important. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be around people who get you, <laughs> not trying Absolutely. to figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's always true. It's always yeah. true. So you've worked with a lot of leaders. Is there a quality um, within leaders that you see just with every great leader that you've worked with? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's so many, right? And, and some of them are the obvious. There's a certain uh, strength about that, right? There's a certain confidence and self-possession about that, there's a certain level of intelligence facility. I think what separates the really, really great leaders from the very good leaders is humility, actually. Uh, and I think it's really rare. There's a uh, there's a quote I actually printed out from uh, the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. This is a leader's best when people barely know he exists. Yeah. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say we did it ourselves. Um, yeah. And I always like that quote. The very best leaders I've ever seen um, actually lead from behind. Uh, and they're willing to let other people take the credit. They're willing to not know. They're willing uh, to be wrong. Uh, they're willing to let other people take the wheel. Uh, sometimes and as, as long as we end up in the right place they feel like their purposes have been fulfilled and it doesn't necessarily have to be about them it's a it's a beautiful thing uh to see it in action and it's it's very very rare uh, that you see that authentic sense of humility um, 
and I think that you're saying what you said, the authentic sense of humility, because I think we see through the fake humility. I think we do. Yeah. 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 It's interesting you mentioned that it, when I wrote the first book where I interviewed HR professionals um, who have who've worked in global businesses and work with leaders. And the question was, I asked them the same question is, what is the number one quality you see in great leaders, great business leaders? And by far, their answer was humility. Really? And there wasn't yeah. even the, the, the second was so far below, but humility just rose to the top. <clears throat> and I think even um, and it, it becomes more apparent, I think, even when you get into some of these larger organizations or when you're an organization that reaches a lot more people, you really see humility in action. And I think you're mm -hmm. right. It becomes much more rare. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's paradoxical in times like this, right, when we're in such a crisis uh, and we, we crave leaders, right, and we want yeah. you know, leaders to step up into the uh, limelight. And you get people like um, Andrew Cuomo, right? Who I just admire, admire the heck out of, right? And I think he's yeah. the model for what a leader yeah. uh, needs to be. And, and there, are, there are others that I would point to here in Illinois, I think. You know, I think uh, Jay Pritzker has done a terrific job of stacking up to leadership for Lori Lightfoot in ways that maybe nobody would have expected. But it goes back to my point about leaders for good times and, uh, and you know, bad times. I think when things are, are hard, you know, you want the leader to stand up in the front and show us. And I think in good times, um, these are the same people that that led from the that led from the back, right? You right. you probably would have you probably didn't see Andrew Cuomo in the news too much <laughs> yeah. uh, before these times. There was another um, uh, another quote I thought about for this. It was the, this one's from Nelson Mandela. Uh, he said, it's, "It's better to lead from behind and put others in front, especially when you celebrate victory when nice things occur. You take the front line when there's danger. Then people will appreciate your leadership." I oh, love that. And I think that's really the difference that in, in times of leadership, we want the leader to take the front. Uh, and in uh, times of calm and peace, we want the leader to stand in back. And I, I think um, most leaders, especially many leaders, especially in the corporate world, don't understand the difference. Yeah. When, when to be in front and when not. Yeah. What do you think gets in the way with that? Do you think it's the ego? Do you think it's just lack of um, having someone who can guide them? Or what do you think that gap is for them? You know, in my experience, a lot of it is, uh, is ego. Um, and in it. and, and there, there's a lot to be said for that. I think you, people can get a lot of drive from that. People can get a lot of energy, uh, right, from, uh, you know, accomplishing their personal purpose and their yeah. personal goals. I think it's very difficult for people to reach that level 10, you know, humility, because yeah. uh, they haven't come from there. And I think also it's... Um, it's not a popular model of leadership, right? When you think about leadership, you think about, um, you know, wartime leaders, right? You think about Abraham Lincoln, right? right? Or you think yeah. about whoever, you know, in times of danger, right? We think about leadership as something that happens in crisis, not something that happens every day. And I don't know how it's taught, that's taught in business schools or how it's communicated uh, throughout corporations, um, but I, I think most people underappreciate the leaders that they don't see. Absolutely. You know, I, I was reading a story on Abraham Lincoln, and I didn't realize this, but he actually filled his cabinet with uh, people that disagreed with him or didn't like him. So he filled his entire cabinet mm -hmm. with people who were against him. I thought, wow, that's a bold move, but it's, it's uh, a, a, what a good move. What humility, right? What humility oh, it took yeah. to do that. I don't, have to be the, I don't have to be the smartest person in the room, and I'm, and I'm the president of the United States. You know? Exactly, yeah. 
it, it's sort of interesting as a consultant, um, you're forced into that role a lot, right? It depends. Some clients, um, people don't even know we're there, right? Some people, you know, they want to present the work themselves. They don't want to have a consultant. So we're very much behind the scenes. Right. Uh, and even, even when we make great things happen, right? And we drive real change. We never get credit for it. Uh, and we shouldn't. That's not the point, right? I mean, we're there right. to make the client look better. Yeah. Um, but, but you really have to cultivate that sort of sense of humility that it's not about us. Uh, it's not about making us look good. It's about making the client look good and doing the right thing for the organization. And um, it is difficult sometimes, right? Sometimes you don't know, me, me, we, we yeah, did yeah. that. That was my, that was my yeah. idea, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, but it's, it's absolutely not the point. And over, over the years, we've learned to take a sense of satisfaction that, you know, um, if they never knew we were there, right, then, then we did a really good job. Well, and, and what you're doing is not just changing, you know, one aspect of the organization, you're creating this immense ripple effect that mm -hmm. extends well beyond the organizational lines of, yeah. of boundaries, which is um, something that um, is feels really good about We should, you know, that's amazing work. Thank you. And uh, I think you make a good point about leadership there too, right? That, you know, influence takes time, right? You know, decisions can be made in the moment, but influence does ripple out through an organization. Uh, we've had in engagements we've worked on where it seemed like nothing happened, right? We would deliver, yeah. it seemed like nothing happened. And we came back uh, sometimes years later and they'd done everything, they'd done it all. Um, right? It just took time to filter through the organization. And uh, we, we were talking, we'd say, my goodness, you know, we, we thought you hadn't done anything. And they're like, well, we're not stupid. You know? <laughs> of course we did it. But it takes time for those kind of influences to ripple through an organization and for uh, people to, to turn the ship. And I think that's another misconception about leadership is the leadership sort of charges in and right points to the West and everyone charges off. And um, yeah. we've never seen it work that way. No, uh, never does. And when it does, we've never seen that stick, right? right. It's, yeah. it's a series of, of small changes and consistent influence uh, on an organization and its values and its sense of purpose. Sure. Um, that, that really changes things. I think, you know, there are breakthrough moments of clarity where people see it. Yeah. Uh, there's breakthrough moments where the right person lands in the right position and you can feel it. It's like a, a cosmic click yeah. in the yeah. organization, right? It's like yeah. we just did the right thing. Yeah. Um, and then things start to move, the arc starts to turn. Uh, but that's how transformation really happens. It's, it's yeah. never overnight. The cosmic click. I love that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking click. about, right? I know what you're talking about. Yes, I do. That I do. Great cosmic click. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, I just I've been listening to you, and and this crazy oh. question came into my mind. Go when, for it. You, when you sit down with a client for the first time, mm -hmm. what is one of the first questions that you ask every client? Oh, that's a really great question. That's a really great question. Um, I ask them what success looks like to them. Okay. Right? I ask them what's the home run. Yeah. Yeah. Because that lets them get to their sense of purpose right away. Sure. What is it that you're really looking for here? What would a win look like? Is is a question that we always ask them. Right. And I suspect their answer lets you know just how well they can articulate their purpose or not, and that probably determines which direction you head then. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, what's their motivation behind that? Right? How, do, how do they see it, right? Why are they talking to us? You know, um, you know that's another good question to ask uh, people in any situation is, you know, why this, why now, right? Like, yeah. why do you want to do this right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, gets to the, the circumstances and the reasoning behind it. 
and it kicks off good conversations. I think it also gets people, you know, we like to get people past the superficial uh, and yep. to talk about what, what they're really all about and what really makes them click. Sure. Uh, those kinds of questions can, can help you do that pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Love those questions. Love them. Mm-hmm. Um, what would advice and counsel would you give, you know, an up and coming leader today? Because up and coming leaders, yeah, they have no source of reference for this, what they're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you tell them? I would tell them, uh, take a chance, right? I would tell them to take risks. You asked earlier about mentors. If I think back at all the mentors that I've had uh, in life and what they did for me that made so much of a difference was they were the ones that were always kicking me off the curb, right? They were the, always the ones that were forcing me to take a bigger chance, yeah. uh, you know, believing in me enough to give me a chance uh, to let me fail, right? When that's what had to happen and, and learn from my failures. Um, and I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today if I hadn't been kicked off the curb a lot. I think I spent the first five years of my career in constant terror uh, that I had no <laughs> business being where I was uh, and having the job. And, and every year I would change my job and I would end up three feet out in front of my skis again. Um, you know, and sometimes I did fail and I made a lot of mistakes and uh, I also had a lot of successes and I learned an awful lot. And it changed the trajectory of my career and, and my life. And I, as an up and coming leader, I would say to seek out those opportunities uh, to take chances and just lower the cost of failure um, for yourself, right? And put yourselves in those situations where, um, you know, you can learn to be humble, right? Yeah. You, know, you know what it feels like to fail. You know what it feels like to be let down and develop that, you know, authentic sense of your purpose. Yeah. And you also have a lot more fun. I, I, uh, I developed a philosophy a long time ago, and I, I, I live it in my work, and I live it in my life, and it's why I travel so much. Um, and it's, you know, just say yes. Right. When an opportunity comes up, if it's not fatal or illegal, just say yes. Right. It's it, yeah. the opportunities in front of you for a reason. Yeah. Um, and that's led me to conversations and relationships and business opportunities and, yeah. and things that otherwise wouldn't have been able to imagine because I would have instinctively said no. So my advice for any up and coming person is say yes. Love it. So I have a model that I live by. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but, and I've lived by this for years is that life should be an adventure and no one ever had an adventure sitting on the couch. Exactly. Yes. I I completely buy into it. And and a part of the adventure is fear, right? Like exactly. If you don't feel a little bit afraid, um, it's really not an adventure. My my wife likes to say, you know, we go on all these adventurous vacations and we go off beaten path places and she calls it, she calls it the edge of fear. Right? If she's not just a little bit scared, it's yeah. not a good vacation for her, right? Because that's, yeah. that's the sense of adventure. Um, I think that's a good lesson for life. I think it's a great lesson for, for business. If, you know, if you're not scared, you're probably not pushing hard enough. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about in regards to um, leadership or um, strategic marketing or transformation mm-hmm. that you want to share um, with the listeners today? I think there's more than one kind of leader. I think when we talk about leadership, we tend to talk about organizational leadership, right? And, you know, measured by how big the organization is and the span of control and all those things. And that's, that's important. Uh, but there's leaders in, in all walks of life, right? There's the thought leaders, right? And there's spiritual leaders and there's, uh, you know, emotional leaders and, and all of them are important. I think it's very narrowing. Uh, to only think of leadership as uh, telling other people what to do. Yeah. I, I think there's many ways, using my definition of leadership, which is about creating change, there's many ways to, to do that. 
Um, I strive to be a thought leader. I strive to have, you know, ideas that change the way people think and ultimately, you know, what they do. I look up to spiritual leaders in, in my life, right, who can um, open up spaces for me that I wouldn't find by myself, right? And I, I admire uh, emotional leaders who can care for people, create spaces for people that allow them to grow and uh, change. And I think being clear about what type of leadership, uh, what type of leader you want to be, makes all the difference in the world. Um, I would probably make a very bad organizational leader. I should not be <laughs> the CEO of anything big uh, because I don't have the skill set for it and I really don't care, right? The things that I care about are just on a different plane altogether. Yeah. And I think finding comfort and clarity about that is, uh, is really important. And I think it's the same question of clarity around sense of purpose. It's clarity around leadership. Uh, and it's the clarity we strive to help our clients achieve in their marketing and their positioning and their communications. It's like, what space do they want to play in? We call it their way to play, right? It's like, what are you really bringing to the table and who are you serving with it? The clearer you can be about that, right? The, the faster uh, you're going to make things change. I love it. Well, you're without a doubt a thought leader. I mean, from the time Thank I met you. you, you've been a thought leader. And, Thank you so much. you know, whether you're putting something funny or a, a, a quirky observation of life out there. It's, it's always great to see because you can always tell those people that just think, I would say think differently, right? You don't think yeah. like everyone else, but you think differently and it's so refreshing to see. So um, thank you for all of your thoughts and ideas, but thank you for entertaining me on, on Facebook and occasionally too. I love that very much. It's my pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely so, I, I have fun with it. Yeah, go ahead. I was just say, no, I, I, I have fun with it, right? You know, just sort of, uh, yeah. But you have really, it's like almost like an intellectual quip fun with it, which is what I love. Like it's yeah, yeah. thoughtful. It's very thoughtful. Um, so one last question for you. Sure. Um, I have this uh, book sitting on the back of my credenza that I'm working on little by little. And I always ask the same question of, folks, especially folks that are thought leaders, what makes you uh, want to get up in the morning and push that sun up and get the day going? Like what stokes your fire? What stokes my fire? Yeah. Uh, it's my sense of adventure. Yeah. It's my sense of adventure. I, I wake up every day knowing um, I'm going to learn something new, right? I'm going to meet someone new. Yeah. I'm going to do something that I've never done before. Uh, I'm going to scare myself in some way, right? <laughs> Uh, and I'll be, a, I'll be a different person at the end of the day than I was at the beginning um, in, in some way. And that just energizes the hell out of me. You know, I, it's part of why I love what I do is I get to talk to really smart, interesting, cool people all day long who are doing really great things. It's, um, and it's different every single day. So it's that sort of uh, sense of adventure and a chance to, to live on the edge uh, that you know, gets me up and, and keeps me going. That's awesome. Hey, Chris, if, you know, this has been an amazing conversation and deep and sharing and thank you so much for all of this. If, if there's someone out there listening and they wanted to contact you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, you can find me on my website, which is sequenceconsulting.com uh, or look me up on LinkedIn. It's Chris, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. Awesome. Uh, Chris, thank you again. It's always a pleasure um, Likewise, to spend yeah. time with you and you know I just I feel that having met you and 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 is it's been a gift so uh, it's a pleasure thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your wisdom thank you thank you for doing what you're doing keep up the good work
Thank you so much. All right, you bet. Bye-bye now. Bye.